You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome back to another edition of Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress. This is Susan Lewis-Simmons, one of your hosts here in the lovely podcast studio. Actually, I should say Chris Ferrar podcast studio. We haven't mentioned his name in a while. Maybe that's why he's been aggravating me so bad. Maybe. Because he really, that, that really, I think, was him that sent me that blow up sex doll, masturbating <laughs> sex doll or whatever it is, link on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. How random was that? Because that's not what it was supposed to be. <laughs> well. <laughs> and when you send something to two people and and I'm the only one who gets the 5.5 pound masturbating sex doll. Yeah. You go, something's interfering here. And that was Ferrara going, hey, y'all ain't been talking about me enough. And I have my co-host here with me. We just got to come up with a better. I know. We got Joel. You're the producer. We got to come up with a really catchy name for Tom. Can you come up with something off the top of your head? No, I cannot. <laughs> See, I've, I've been called this a Tom variety the, of things. Yeah, well, that, Tom yeah. the bomb, Motor Tom. Well, I was thinking of some other names that aren't Teflon necessarily Teflon Tom. It, I, no, no, <laughs> no, no. I don't like that one either. Uh-uh, not That's at all. a good one. Shit, don't stick to me then. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, all the cool ones Susan doesn't like. <laughs> I am old. Yeah, people. she. Uh, yeah, I'm, I can only imagine what she really wants to call yeah, me. Yeah, keep that to myself. She, <laughs> the longer she spends time with me, yeah, especially at, at four thirty in the morning, oh. driving an hour across the valley yeah. to do something that. I'm going to say it was all your idea. It seemed like a good Tommy idea. Tommy Gunn. There you go. Tommy Gunn. <laughs> and, you know, before we, because we get wrapped up in stuff, we forget about all this stuff at the end. But, um, you know, we are hosting. Right. The, here we go again. We got to say his name again. Maybe you'll leave me alone for a week. The first annual Chris Ferrar softball tournament. It will be law enforcement versus fire. It's going to get interesting. Uh, July 7th and 8th here in Tempe, Arizona at the Tempe Sports Complex. So anyone out there, if y'all are willing to travel to another state, come on, bring it on. Uh, But we need to get registrations in. It's going to be $500 a team. And November 18th is a registration deadline. And you can go to our website. Also, uh, um, really, the only restrictions are 10, minimum 10 on the right. team. We don't have a maximum. Right. No ringers. Don't be hiring people. <laughs> uh, but spouses can play. And so on the law enforcement side, you can pull for military, can be mixed, sheriff's department, troopers, feds, whatever you want it to be. Fireside, sorry, y'all just get to pull from fire and <laughs> EMS and dispatch. You, you can have dispatch and law enforcement has dispatch, but spouses can play. But don't be coming in here with your fifth cousin by marriage 12 times. <laughs> Who's a pro ball. <laughs> right, exactly. We're not going to have any of that stuff going on. But it's going to be a lot of fun. And, again, it'll be an annual tournament. You'll get a trophy that will come up with something good that's going to be passed back and forth. Right. So, all right, law enforcement and fire, start your, start your jawing with each other and firing each other up. And We have three teams currently already registered so. we may be up to four actually i'm not sure yeah. that becky had all of them uh, i gotta go through and make sure because we just got another one but yeah so get those registrations in we're predicting maybe 20 teams or more is what we're hoping for yeah. and uh here's your opportunity fire you know you hear a lot of crap from the PD side of the house, here's your chance to show them about your muscles y'all are building as you're in there Put sleeping, eating, and what is it, Grossman's? I won't say that with our guest here. To, I'll, I'll leave that out today. We do have somebody from the fire service here today. So tell us about your friend here, Tom. Well, his name is Ron Rouse, and he's a, re- well, he's a retired firefighter, but recently has just took another job. Yeah, y'all tend to do that. I don't even know why y'all call it retirement. I know we did a special thing for Firefighter Memorial last last week. Tom I did. I, I was out that right. day. And there was guys, like the oldest guy that died was 89 years old. We're like, oh, 
in as a volunteer. You know, it's like, oh man, don't you fire guys ever retire? <laughs> He's moved from one job to another. Well, yeah, PD, who are you well, to be talking, Mister? I, I tried to retire, yeah, and but, yeah, but then, that didn't work out yeah, well, did it? It's your fault. <laughs> Everything else is. I'm telling you, World War One and Two and Vietnam and Korea. Just man, you my are old, husband, aren't I'm you? telling you, <laughs> my husband tell you, it's all my fault. Absolutely. <laughs> So, so how do you know this guy? Well, we went to high school together. Oh Lord, you do need my help. Old You've been around alumni. this one, oh, no? Because yeah. he wasn't. I mean, he was around in high school, but then yeah. But but my point he, is, Tom, you were away. crazy back then. <laughs> well, that's, he had early yeah. exposure. That's called childhood trauma. <laughs> I'm not over it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you're not. Yeah, we'll make sure you have my number. We can talk now that you're moving back to Arizona. <laughs> So where did you retire from? I retired from a uh, city of Portland, Oregon. Twenty years out there. Oh, nothing and... was happening in Portland the last few years. No. Y'all weren't busy uh, at all. Oh no, not at all. No, right? no. Oh, it's crazy. It's Peace... like an episode of Walking Dead right now. <laughs> but you had the peaceful protest, is what the media told us. Oh, is that right? As the fires, <laughs> as the fires were burning yeah. in the background. Right. <laughs> uh, it, it's. The last five years have definitely been an experience on that in that regard. I bet. I have a friend who's retired as Portland PD and then came back on again and uh, during all of this, and I'm like, "Are you nuts? Yeah. Do you understand there are other police departments that will hire yeah. you in other parts of the country <laughs> where they're not burning it to the ground? Right. Wow. Wow. My hats off to you for sticking it out, because that I see I'd have been shooting people if I was a firefighter. I mean, I understand yeah. they kept you busy. And y'all kind of like playing with that stuff, which really makes me question your sanity. But Well, at the end of my career, I was a, a fire inspector and I did PIO media stuff. So I got to sit kind of in my city vehicle in my white shirt and just kind of point. The pretty boy. Yeah, he, yeah. he was the pretty boy. Yeah. Uh, okay. No, I, I, okay. Yeah, I don't feel bad for you anymore. Disregard. Disregard. Take all that back. <laughs> so I know you got a late start in the fire business. So what did you do? Leading up to it, what made you decide uh, fire's a good idea? You know, that's, that's a pretty funny question. So I was a flight attendant for seven years. Which airline? America West Airlines, ah, based out of Phoenix. Right. Yeah, were you there for the merger uh, with U.S. Air? Or you was, were gone by then. I, I was right before that. Yeah. But I, I'm flying around, enjoying life, single male flight attendant, <laughs> having a blast, as you can imagine. <laughs> And Look my, at him bragging. Well, I mean, it was fun. Don't get me wrong. It was fun. You know, fairly younger guy, at least I thought in my mid-20s. And all of my buddies are getting hired in the police and fire department. And I was thinking, wow, well, that's interesting, you know. But my job's way more fun. Mm -hmm. And then someone mentioned the P word to me, pension. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I had never understood what that was until I started talking to my homeboys. And I said, well, I'll look into it. And sure enough, I get hired with the police department and the fire department in the same week. So I had to make a decision. Both, wow. at, both at Tempe? I mean, in Oregon? Or both where in Oregon. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I was living in Arizona. Gotcha. But I was moving to Oregon because I met this girl. You know, that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that requires my card. Yeah. Why do you do things like that? What is I go back to my general statement, men yeah, are born uh, stupid, and this yeah. is biblically sound. Well, okay. well, she tricked me. She showed me the Northwest in June and July. There you go. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was she a flight attendant? She was. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we probably have some friends the same. I was dating yeah. a U.S. Air captain, and <laughs> I worked with the union there at USAPA. Oh, yeah. So I was there for the miserable merger because that was <laughs> I have I have PTSD from that, just trying to help those guys figure that out. That's craziest system I've ever seen. Oh yeah. So oh, no yeah. wonder you left it. Well, I'm sure Tom will appreciate this. I, I, like I said, I got hired by both departments, and I had to go on ride-alongs. <laughs> so I go on a ride-along with the police department, and every call we went on, I felt like the citizens were just <laughs> not in a good place. You oh, know, yeah. they were just very unhappy, and they were, and it, they were directing it at the police oh, department. Yeah. 
And then I go on a ride along with the fire department. They're in shorts. They got <laughs> baseball hats on, sunglasses. All the civilians <laughs> waving Tattoos. Yeah, people are like giving them, throwing bras and panties at them. And, and I'm like, oh, okay. Mardi Gras. Yeah. Right. I'm like, I think I made up my mind here which one I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, but then you got to stop and go, but golly, those things we deal with, roaches are running out and I'm supposed to run in. <laughs> yeah. I just can't, I can't rectify that in my brain somehow. Yeah. It just doesn't work for me. <laughs> oh, it took me a while to get used to that. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've said I've done ride-alongs. I've done SWAT schools. I've done all firearms, all that stuff. But when fire starts talking to me about doing that little drill y'all do when you black out oh, your yeah. shields and you got to, I'm out. No, thank you. Oh, confined space drill is nope. one of the most terrifying things you'll ever experience. No, thank you. And it's a drill. Yes. <laughs> and you have to do it periodically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, that I'm seems good. crazy. I'm good. I'll stay out here and watch. I'll do it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. So that's so I decided to go fire and 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 I'm glad I did. You know, I started as a firefighter and then became a fire inspector. Uh, and we were engineers. We all drove in Portland. So we all drive the fire engine, fire trucks and mm -hmm. got to work on the boats. And, and then I became a PIO. <laughs> wow. So I've had enough fun with the burning buildings. <laughs> well, I would go get my nails done during the week. You know. <laughs> yeah, y'all have priorities, it. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how long did the woman stick around? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I was with her for a little bit, but not. Yeah, let's just say my career was longer than that <laughs> relationship. That's pretty standard in yeah, the first that, responder that world. Is. <laughs> That's common. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you wind up back here? Well, you know, I retired from Portland and I own a DJ business and I travel around DJ. I've been doing that for 30 years and uh, this is where I grew up and mm -hmm. I just wanted to come back home and I said, I'm not going to work. I'm just going to golf. So I started golfing <laughs> and I'm back here, get, get my house. <laughs> and as most retired people would tell you, you know, you keep getting hit up for jobs from different agencies, mm -hmm. you know, when you meet people and sure. it's, right. it's so funny just... You're just having a random conversation with somebody. You're like, hey, you should come work for Mesa. Or you should come work for Phoenix. Hey, we got this job. And it's like, ah, nah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> but this last job offer, I couldn't pass up. City of Tempe is just a, a great department, and they seem like they're aligned with everything that I've done in the past. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll go back to work. Yeah, they, Tempe Fire is, they're a great bunch of people over there. Yeah. Um, Chief Ruiz, he's Fantastic. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. He is awesome. Yeah. You, you better say something well, nice about Tempe PD now. <laughs> well, <laughs> You're going to come confiscate PD, your boots so and your helmets. <laughs> that's a given with Tempe PD. But, yeah, I mean, I watched Chief Ruiz grow up through the through the ranks, you know, because yeah. I did 27 years at Tempe, so I uh, get to see him. He's a good good chief, great person. Yeah. He, he sat in on my interview panel and just, I mean, what an intelligent yeah. guy. And yep. I, I really enjoy talking to him. And he, he's actually one of the reasons I really decided to really take the job yeah. just from his things he said. So when do you start that job? November 7th. So you got a little time. I got a little time. Well, I leave for my honeymoon on the 19th. I just got married like last Saturday and I leave for my honeymoon on the 19th, come back on the 27th. So where are we going? Where can we all go? Hey, Turks and Caicos. I got room. Hey, oh, don't tell me that. Don't I got room in the bag. That. See, we could do we could do remote. They have electricity and internet down there. We could do a remote podcast. Follow him go. around. Oh my gosh! Because there might be a fight in progress there at some point. I might get offered a job while I'm down there. You're you never right. know. Yeah. So, you did 20 years at your department. And how much did you see change occur in your oh. department over that 20 years? Wow, Ch change is always inevitable, right? right. It's, it's unbelievable. When when I first came into the fire department, you could still smoke at the tables inside the house. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold, hold on. Time out. Yeah. <laughs> firefighters smoking at yeah. the table. Doesn't that seem a little odd? Yeah. Right? There, there was firefighters that were driving the fire engine to go on calls, and they were smoking. They had just stopped that when I got hired in 98. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. You know, that's almost like hypocrisy at its best somehow. Somehow. I, 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 uh, yeah. Okay. I'll have to process that one. Wow. And we had, well, let's say, let's, when I first got hired, there was 750 firefighters, let's say. Uh, 735 of them were white males. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, Any females? There was about five or six females now that number has grown there's probably 33 to 35 sure yeah uh 
it's 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 changed considerably. And when we first came in, my we meaning my group, we had three female firefighters in our group, mm-hmm. and we could not understand why there weren't more females. And we responded to these calls, and there's females that were responding on, and it's like, well. I don't think a female in some kind of trauma wants to deal with four guys standing over them <laughs> with, with an axe, you know, I and helmets on. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and we said, we need more females. So right. sure. now it's worked out. So why do you think, it, I mean, it's still a predominantly white male, male. career, yeah. Sure, yeah. But, but why? Well, I, I Family, nepotism, you know, yeah. I, I think that still has a lot to do with it. And uh, it, you gravitate towards the jobs that you see. And, mm-hmm. and when I was growing up, I didn't see a lot of African-American firefighters. Right. Sure. And I don't remember a single one coming to my school to talk to me. It was always white males Right. for the fire department. So me being the kid I am, that didn't seem like something that would appeal to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I don't think there are many firefighters out there threatening their children's lives if they go into fire. <laughs> but boy, there are in the PD service. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll lock Especially you, now. I'll lock you in your room till you're 45 <laughs> years old. You ain't going into, into law enforcement, which is kind of sad, but yeah. I understand it. Well, yeah. we, you know, fire and police work hand in hand, yes. as you guys know. And, and, and I appreciate that aspect of it. But mm-hmm. now you respond on a call. It's police on one side. Then they clear the scene. And then fire comes in. And, and like you very rarely see police. You 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 very very rarely work with them like you used to. They're on really? scene, but yeah. you don't really communicate with them the way it was when we first. Like we were high fiving and, and doing all this. You know, I mean, right. we, we were a pretty close knit group. Sure. They, they they hung it at the station. I don't even yeah. know if they do that as much. I know anymore. in Tempe, there's a lot of the older guys will go and hang out at the stations. Yeah. You know, if they're not busy doing. Well, stuff. and like Chandler, one of our stress coaches, who's actually been on the podcast, was a SWAT medic for fire. I mean, for PD. He was full-time fire, but it, that was his kind of side thing, yeah. too. Were they doing things like that up in, in Oregon? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, a, it's a CERT cert team is what they call it. And, okay. uh, yeah, they're kind of SWAT medics. And, yeah, and it's and it's a it's a great program. Mm-hmm. Right? And there was something else because Ken always called it something. starts with a T. It's initials, yeah. and, and I never understood exactly what that was. But yeah. it's nice to see the blending of the two a little bit more. This is something Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman has preached for many, many years, and it just kind of fell on deaf ears. Yeah. But, you know, to me, there ought to be more cooperation and collaborating, especially mm-hmm. on hostage situations or yeah. Yeah. situations yeah. where somebody may have an explosive you kind of want fire there, like early, exactly. <laughs> not late. Oh yeah. And so, so when did you get this PIO position? When did you actually come off a truck? Oh gosh, that was seven years before my career ended. So, uh, well, before I I retired. So, yeah, seven years I was a PIO, and I actually operated out of a an old firehouse. It was a three story building built like 1920s fire station <laughs> and i had the whole station to myself and so it actually worked out well i could have media show up sure do interviews sure wow did you have a poll oh yeah <laughs> oh, 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 oh yeah i don't know that any of our fire stations around here have polls do no they? i don't think so i think they're all single story yeah. <laughs> well they they started getting rid of them because people were getting hurt <laughs> yeah the polls. and i can that actually happened to me once i'm a Shame to say. <laughs> oh, go ahead. But I slid down on a call, slid down the pole, and jacked up my back, and I limped to the rig. <laughs> yeah, I just picture y'all piling on top right. of each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not clear yet. <laughs> well, well, the best is when we have some downtime and we get to act like we're strippers on the pole. See, that's the fun part. See, that's the, now the truth comes out. We knew that was happening. We knew that was happening. That would be a YouTube channel. Oh, you know, yeah, like, that would be funny. We, there's a fundraiser. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, I'm not. I'm surprised that there's not like a challenge or something. You know, absolutely. Like, I, I'm, they had all those water bucket challenges. Oh, and yeah. stuff. Oh, they yeah. should have had a, a fire pole stripper. Yeah, challenge. Joel, make a note of that, please. That we need to figure out some kind of competition between police and fire and a pole. People would pay big bucks, and that could be a live feed on Facebook. Oh my goodness! Oh, there's some there's some good dancers out there. Don't don't sleep on these guys. No chief would have a problem with. No, oh, no, not, not at all. <laughs> That's but great. even though you weren't actually out on the call, I mean, you were there, but in your car. But talk to us about what did go on in Portland and how that was impacting firefighters during all of that time of uproar and 
city burning and all of that kind of stuff. Did you really yeah. get, talk to many of them? Uh, we didn't really get a chance to conversate with a lot of people. Um, I mean, it's it's a dangerous situation. As sure. you can imagine, it's, it's a mob. Sure. Yeah. And these guys have sticks yes. and garbage can lids as protection. And they're starting fires and they're walking down the middle of the streets and you have to divert traffic. And mm -hmm. I mean, it can be a problem. And, and there was a lot of fires. Small yeah. fire, single engine response, but fires nonetheless. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they tried to burn down City Hall. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's a fire-resistant building, so good, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. But the we'll fact that they watch. made an attempt, sure. you know, and if the firefighters showed up early, then they would throw rocks at well, us and, and things. And it's like, well, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Now we have to get police involved. Mm -hmm. And first of all, why are you throwing rocks at the police, I mean, at the fire department? Right. For for any reason, right. you know, it, yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. So now these guys are wearing bulletproof vests. Mm -hmm. The firefighters are. Yep. And it's like, it's it's sad that the city has come to that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the country has come to that. I yeah. know a few years back, Phoenix was having drive-by shootings at mm -hmm. some of their fire houses. And you're just like, what purpose does that serve? Right. Yeah, yeah. What's your What's your point? And 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 here's the other part. These guys are, they're up all night. This this mob. Yeah. Now these these poor firefighters who are responding on legitimate calls all day. Mm -hmm. You know, seventy five percent medical, and 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 they're running the wheels off. And now at two o'clock in the morning, they have to go put out a garbage campfire. Right. At two thirty, they got to go put out another mm -hmm. garbage campfire. And get rocks thrown at them. Yeah, and get rocks. Yeah. yeah, and it, it's just unbelievable. Were you having to respond much on medicals to the protesters who were hurting each other? Oh, yeah. See, oh, oh yeah. See, that'd be a hard call. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're right in the middle of cooking breakfast. We'll yeah. be there when we get there. Yeah, I think that's called street justice. Yeah, oh, I agree. Goodness. I agree. Crime scene tape would be very effective. <laughs> Rope it off. Just wait. Go in and clean up the Jeez, mess. Yeah, I'm not a kinder, gentler kind of a mental wellness person. I'm a... Accountability yeah. and responsibility kind of person. <laughs> it is. It, it it starts to get a little difficult, mm -hmm. you know, when, when you have to play both sides of your mind and that. You know, yeah. you, you of course, this is your job. But it's sure. like, first of all, what are you guys doing out here at four in the morning? Yep. You know. You start this, and then you yeah. expect us to come help you out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which, yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. And I don't think a lot of people, you know, maybe in our listening audience, they will I, I don't really, even though one of our main stress coaches that runs the team in Alabama was a fire marshal, really explain what that job entails. Yeah, the fire marshal. So uh, we would show up, just check out a business, make sure that there aren't any fire hazards. That's that, that's it, basically. Okay. Now, you also have assemblies. You have major concerts. Make sure doors aren't locked. Um, as you guys heard, just like, like a week ago at a soccer game, a bunch of people just got hurt because mm -hmm. the doors were locked. It's it's simple things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not necessarily your business. It could be your neighbor's business who has an old extension cord that right. could start a fire. Well, now it's going to burn down your business. Sure. So we have to explain that to them because a lot of times, obviously, fire inspectors get a bad rep because they're coming in to do a job. Mm -hmm. right. And they're like, well, I don't have any problem with my business. Like, well, yeah, you, you probably don't but the business next to you might. So sure. this is a job that we have to do. Mm -hmm. But you have arrest powers. Um, we don't. Oh, you no, don't? No, 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 no. We here, can always call the here? police. Yeah, even here. Okay. I, in Alabama, I think they do. Yeah. Uh, the the investigators do. Okay. I think the inspectors our, do not. Okay. I think our yeah. fire marshal, because uh, I know that they're armed. I know they have to yeah. qualify with firearms. Do y'all do that? So the, the investigators are armed. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. But the, the fire marshal, fire investigators are not. Okay. In Portland. Okay. I don't know what the situation here in Arizona is. but So you hadn't found that part of the job out yet? You don't no. know if you need to go to the <laughs> yeah. range and shoot? Or... Yeah. Oh, crap, what did I get myself <laughs> I, into? I was like, you might have you wanted to kind of read the fine print before you signed on the right. dotted line. But... Oh, my God. I don't remember any of the fire marshals here being armed. Though. You don't? Not that I can remember. Okay. But. Yeah. Not, know, I'm getting old. What so. do you know? <laughs> you they weren't like, riding a motor, so I really wasn't caring about it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so there's not a fire marshal one for the city of Tempe. There are multiples, and you're either an investigator or an inspector. Well, there's a head fire marshal, and then there's an assistant fire marshal. So there's the fire marshal, okay. and then you work under their umbrella. So you're a fire inspector. So there's a bunch of fire inspectors. And what are you going to be doing here? I'm going to be a fire inspector okay and an investigator as well oh you're gonna do both jobs i am yeah. see he retires and doesn't take on one job like you do <laughs> right. you little sissy he takes on two. i'm gonna do a little pioing too 
Oh, he's got three jobs. Wow. Oh yeah, I mean, part time. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking three jobs. So any DJs though? Wait a minute, hold on now. Any DJs I, I too? That's four jobs. <laughs> well, but he likes doing the DJ, and that's a side hustle that. Well, you like what doing. you're doing, whether you say I, you do, do or not. I but do. We need to, Joel. We need some more jobs for Tom. <laughs> what What can I let go of that I can give him? Uh, bathroom cleaning. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Yeah. It's my office anyway. Exactly. You should be responsible for it. The traffic bureau That's is right. Tom's. Oh, my. Oh, man. So how long has it been since you guys even really saw each other? Oh, it, oh. probably high school. 80s. Yeah, because I left right right for the military and was gone. Yeah. 10 years military. Yeah, we, we need to talk. I bet there's some stories I need about this one. <laughs> and high school, yeah, pictures and all that kind of stuff. Oh, gosh, I wish. You know, it wasn't like today where you yeah. have photos of everybody. Well, Joelle does a great job on Photoshopping. So, I, yeah, I mean, we, can, we can, can modify pictures. Yeah, to we can Photoshop like anything. Absolutely. No question oh, about gosh. it. So uh, what, what, I'm yeah. 20 years, that's a lot of calls, but mm-hmm. like, is there some that stand out in your mind that are either funny, you know, just terrifying for the, the guys, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, a thousand calls oh, right, were yeah. popping to my head, but uh, one, one call in particular, I ended up burning my hand on a house fire. Uh, call comes in two, 2 o'clock in the morning, you know, asleep, you jump out right. of bed, hop in your turnouts, where the call is... 30 seconds away. So a couple houses down from the station. Oh, wow. Kind of put our stuff on. We show up, flames showing, shooting out of the window. It's smoke everywhere. Hop, hop to the door, trying to put my gloves on. I hear screaming. Oh. I turn around, donkey kick this door, reach for my glove that was on the ground, clip my mask in, and I head in this house. And flames are shooting over me. We get done with the call. I get out, take my glove off. My hand is up here, you guys. It's just swollen. I mean, it's probably five inches. It looks like there's a softball on my hand. Oh, jeez. Wow. Yeah, it was, and it hurt so. Once that air hit it, you know, <laughs> it was terrible. Jeez. So I was off work for a while. And the, the, I mean, I mean, I was okay, per se. But two people died in this house fire. Wow. And the, un, the really unfortunate part about it is there's no working smoke alarms. In, in this house at all. It's a two-story house. And they had a deadbolt with a key in it. And when I kicked that door open, you know, I kind of felt some resistance where there was a woman there. Oh. She made it to the door. That's it. She had the key in her hand to the deadbolt. And it's just, you know, you know, 1920s house, you know, sure. elderly. They, they, they live a different way. You know, yes. Smoke alarms go out. Oh, well, we don't need smoke alarms, right. you know. But that key in there, must have, she made it to the door, must have fell out somehow, and then she couldn't put it back in. Jeez. Yeah, it was terrible. And I assume she was one of the victims? She was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Terrible. What kind of things did they do in Portland? Were y'all doing critical incident debriefings? Were, did you have peer support? What, what did you yeah. have? So, so my very first death call that I ever saw was uh, this, this guy. He's in his 30s, and he killed his stepsister. Mm-hmm. and he stabbed her and he's in the back of the police car we show up i'm brand I'm brand new i'm right i'm a probie <laughs> and i go running in there in my new uniform and my turnouts and i'm just all oh yeah the, all we know is it's a stabbing well you go on stabbings all the time sure. people get stabbed every day they're they're fine this particular case she was not fine and i go flying in there with a medical kit and there's this nine-year-old girl and she's dead and it hit me so hard because my twins were nine years old at the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm actually glad you you asked this question. So I go back out and I'm kind of freaking out. But you know we're firefighters and we want to be seen in a strong mm-hmm. way and we right. can't let anybody you know, know that something's bothering yeah, us. Right? Yeah, you, you, you got you a job have, to do. Yeah, you have a job to do. And and we get back to the station. Chief drives right over, sits down, talks to all of us, but he talks to me first. Because I was the first one on the scene. I came out and told everybody what I saw. And he's like, hey, I just want to make sure that that you're okay. And I was like, wow. Well, this, wow, this, this is really cool. I never would expect that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because Sure. Yeah, and and we, we talked for a bit. And he goes, I'm going to send you home. And I go, no, 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 I don't need to go home. He goes, no, I'm going to send you home. 
Mm-hmm. You know, of course, you go home with pay. They have somebody come in. And I thought, well, wow, what a great department. And that was my first experience with that kind of critical incident stress management sure. type type thing. And I needed it. I didn't sure. realize I needed it. And I went home, hugged my kids, and it was awesome. But but they did that on a regular basis. Any hesitation, though, as kind of the new kid to tell your chief, yeah, I'm struggling with this? Was there any hesitation oh, yeah. on your part? Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. And and this wasn't even around my peers. This was alone. He's my chief is talking to me one on one. Well, that helps. Which I really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, I was like, you know what? Okay, you know what? I am not going to fight this. I I I do need to go home. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's there's several calls where they just come. Hey, let's talk about it. And and I don't know if the police department. I, I'm not sure how they handle that, like how they handle calls. Like, do they? It's different. Yeah, yeah. because in, in, in the firefighter community, you're sitting together as a, as a family Absolutely. on a couch. Yes. Right. And you're talking about it. And you're like, well, this is what I saw. Well, hey, what do you think about this? Yeah. Does anybody want to go home? Yep. You know, it, it's, and I don't know how police does it, but. Well, we, and unless we have an actual debriefing scheduled. plan, yeah. scheduled, mm. most of that does never happen because no. you're by yourself. You know, we don't even out here. It's very rare to even see a two man car, you know? Yeah. So we don't, we don't talk about it. We clear that call and then we get sent to the next one. Yeah. So it's, it's and that, a lot different. that's difficult. Yeah. And that's my struggle with the SISM world. And I've been in it and certified and a structure for the ICISF and all that is that there's such a difference between the environments because mm-hmm. y'all work as a team, you go yeah. back as a team, you eat as a team, you sleep together as a team. We yeah. won't go down that road, but yeah. anyway. Um, <laughs> but we do, yeah. You're but you go back and you actually are able to do the diffusing, is what it's called in mm-hmm. SISM. You can do the diffusing and then give it a couple of days, and everybody comes back and then do the debriefing. Where so much of the stuff with law enforcement, you can have multi agencies. And you're not going to get them together two and three times. It ain't going to happen. You're lucky if you get them together once. Yeah. And if you do, you better do that debriefing, not that diffusing, because they're not going to come back for the debriefing. And that's a frustration. And I'll tell you something else. I learned not having grown up or married in the fire world. I'm I'm still learning about fire. But I was really disappointed to hear out here, I, I know it's a plus and a minus, that it's gone from the kind of, bunk room where everybody sleeps in the same room to individual rooms and the chief here and I when I first met him we were talking about this and he said you know there's not the everybody sitting around the table talking after calls like it used to be Mm -hmm. they now go to their own rooms and I think that's going to lead to more issues for firefighters Mm -hmm. to be honest with you yeah then yeah. I understand not wanting to sleep in a room with a bunch of old people snoring and all that kind of stuff. But, right, right. But now there's an opportunity to isolate mm. and not be in there with all the conversations and stuff. And so yeah. I think it's really important that peer support really push more of that right after right. bad calls. Yeah, oh, for sure. Because that's not inherently in the system. And is it that way in Portland? You think most firehouses now have gone to these individual room setups oh they, they they all have okay yeah yeah and and plus you're hiring a younger group now mm-hmm. and when these guys come in at 18 19 20 years old where after a call they want to go to their rooms and if, if, if they're not training they want to play video games mm-hmm. and and <laughs> there's always training scheduled every day there's it, it at least one sometimes there's two mm-hmm. um uh but these guys want to play their video games and it's not like the old days where we go, hey, let's go play soccer or let's go play basketball. basketball. Let's go do, let's go work out as a group. Sure. And let's do something outside of the station. Sure. Be, you know, be seen. Get let, let the sun hit us. Well, and it's not even called a firehouse anymore. It's a yeah. fire station. Right. That that even subconsciously changes the dynamic. Right. But yet, yeah. Chicago Fire still does the bunk room and the, <laughs> only the higher well, ups, you know, you know, get their own uh, private looks quarters. Good for TV. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> now, so have they? Did they change this in Oregon too? Is like um, we were talking to firefighters out here, and it used to be back in the day. When the alarm would kick off, the lights come on, the alarm's sounding real loud, scare the hell out of you. Your heart would jump out. Yeah, yeah. And then now they've gone to, like, 
to a red light and it slowly comes on, the, the noise of the alarm slowly And a voice says, up. please wake up, we have an emergency. There, there's actually a masseuse that comes in <laughs> and they start rubbing your back. <laughs> and they're like, wake up. Yeah, yeah they, they, they did switch the lights. And I'll tell you, I'm glad they did because <laughs> that alarm would go off and you would, oh, <laughs> your heart yeah. would jump on your chest. You'd be awake for days. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, now it kind of eases on. This light gradually comes on. You're like, oh. Here we go. Like, oh, wait a minute. I'm going on a call. Okay. <laughs> yeah, otherwise you're like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. Oh, shit. Somebody Another bring call. me my coffee. <laughs> well, well, you know, if you get a call after, say, 3, 4 o'clock, you might as well just stay up. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. you don't get much sleep in that 24-hour shift. Yeah. Sure. You know, you, sure. You, you, you try to squeeze a safety nap in, but that very rarely, you know, that's very difficult. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> this, the ones that would, I would think would be really difficult are the ones where you... Because it doesn't change if it's a five-alarm fire or it's a medical call and you get to the medical call and it's just somebody who's lonely yeah. <laughs> and wants firefighters to come hang out with them. Oh, yeah. And then oh, yeah. you got to go back and you got all this adrenaline pumping through your system right. and you got to figure out how to get rid of that so you can go back to sleep. Oh, yeah. And that would be really difficult <laughs> to yeah. deal with. It is. It, it is. And we recommend, <laughs> one of the things we're recommending to some of ours is things like they need a punching bag in the firehouse, I'm going to call it a house anyway, and where you can actually get rid of some of that adrenaline, mimic fight or flight, run sprints, do things like that to get rid of this stuff so it makes it easier to go to sleep. See, my luck, I'd go run some sprints, beat the crap out of a bag, and go to lay down and get a call. (laughs) I thought you were going to say have a heart attack and die. Well, that could happen too. but (laughs) You know what we do? We just put on one of those cold case shows and set the TV timer and put it on low, and that always puts you right to sleep. (laughs) You know, we're hearing, too, a lot about how they're doing the cancer screenings and stuff out here. Yeah. How long had they been doing that in Portland? Oh, probably since 2000. Oh, that long. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think it's been that long out here. I, I think it's just getting, uh, it's it's occurring more frequently now than what it used to. Like right. Before it may have been every five years or something. Okay. And now they're trying to do it more frequently just right. because of the exposure that you guys face all the time. Oh, it's, it's what, when, when I first came in, these firefighters would try to be cool and on something as simple as a car fire, they wouldn't wear their mask. You know, they stand there and they think, hey, this is cool. Hey, look at me. People are watching. And it was just nuts. Sure. You know, and I came in. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Like, put your mask. There's smoke. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. You want to breathe that in? Yeah. Like, well, that's because they got their cigarette lit well, over here. Yeah. Yeah. They couldn't smoke with their mask on. Yeah, that's, yeah that's true. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What was the cancer rate? Pretty high in Portland. Uh, yeah, yeah, and we and we lost a few members to cancer, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it was pretty high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I don't think people stop and think about that either. And then the common sense factor goes, duh. Yeah. Why right. wouldn't we have thought that all along? Oh yeah. But you know, again, I think we see our first responders as these people. They're not human beings. They're machines, mm-hmm. and nothing affects you. And y'all like to portray that as well. Yeah. Uh, You know, one of the things we've been interested in looking at are suicides. We were talking about this before the show. Uh, What what were suicides like up there? Would you say it was an epidemic? Uh, I wouldn't say. Are we talking? Fire. Fire. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was an epidemic. We we had a couple firefighters who took their own lives, unfortunately. But but no one, like we didn't see anything. They were just Mm -hmm. great people. Mm -hmm. And... And at work, they were just like having fun with the rest of us and doing their job to the best of their ability. Sure. And then you hear that, and it's like, wait, what happened? Oh, and then there's always a backstory that someone will start right. telling you, and it's like, we had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, I think part of that is this individual rooms, because the, what the chief here was telling me when we were talking about this is he goes, I can remember when it was everybody in one big room, and a guy would be upset over his wife just served him with divorce papers. And he said, we'd sit up all night and try to help him. Right. Oh, yeah. And you Figure don't Figure out even, a plan for him. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't even have that now, again, with, with everybody in separate rooms. Yeah. And I think that's going to be an issue. I know Phoenix Fire a few years back had some ungodly amount, uh, I want to say like eight or ten in a short period. I don't know what it was now. Wow. We need to look at that. But... I know that was something that kind of started really bringing it to the forefront here. Mm. 
And, it, you know, it's something we do have to look at. Right. Because we know it's a problem in the law enforcement side. Yeah. It's a huge problem. And I would venture to say probably we will find there's more than what people even realize. Right. Just to be honest. Because they all don't get reported. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. die off duty. It, it, right. It's easy to cover those things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd have to believe, again, fire is something we deal with, but we're all learning about it here, which is why you're going to be a stress coach one day, Ron. There's, <laughs> right. your, fifth, there's your fifth job. Um, but, you know, I said, as first responders, you're all trained to be problem solvers. And, you know, when it has to impact you when you go to a house and you can't do your job and save lives, sometimes it's just inevitable you're not going to be able to. Yeah. But we don't tell you that, I don't think, in academies. And so it isn't so much the fire burning the house down. It's that we didn't get somebody out. Right. And that's a lot of responsibility that truly isn't your fault. But nobody tells you that. Right. Yeah, that's got to be a tough thing to handle. You know, you respond out to a fire and then you have people that die in the fire. I mean, that's just got to be. Or a it's baby drowns. Yeah. It's terrible. It's, right. it's, it's terrible pulling out a dog yes right yeah. or a pet yes that that part is terrible because i mean these family members are standing out there their house is burning down oh by the way now we have to pull your dog out yes in front of you and your neighbors right yep. and it's just it's, it's just a sad situation yeah well and then i know i dealt with one out west several years back that was really difficult because it was a child that wound up outside i want to say it was under two and drowned, and it was the child of a firefighter, and it was his department that responded. Oh, yeah. And he was in the house with his wife, but nobody realized that the baby had gotten outside. Yeah. And then they're there, and, you know, they got to do their job, but then they have the added burden of... Right, because that's one of their brothers. This is one yeah. of ours. Right. And, you know, we tried to do everything we could to help. There, there wasn't a lot of openness to it in the smaller agency but you know that's the kind of stuff that you really you know is long lasting mm -hmm. that stuff will go on and build up inside for a long time in the garbage can yeah or a police officer gets shot did you go on many where officers were killed oh, or yeah. where officers were, were died? shot mm -hmm. well we're not died we we went responded on calls where they were shot and you yeah, haven't responded any where they luckily yeah you know mm -hmm. uh but yeah i mean that's 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 hard for us. Sure. You know, I, mean, I mean, these are our brothers and sisters. So when we respond on that, I mean, obviously there's a certain sense of urgency. Right. You know. Yeah, I got a, a question for you. Talk backing up to the um, the nine year old daughter or the nine year old girl that passed away. Yeah. And you said that your daughter was your twins were the same age. Yeah. Um, like I know that I had a case back in 2000 of a five year old little boy died, got hit by a car and. Our twins uh, were five years old at that time, and yeah. I and I linked them together basically. So every time that the boys would, you know, have a milestone, I would think of this poor little five-year-old boy that he didn't get the chance to do that. Did you experience that same? Oh, I still do. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, yeah. I still, I, I still, I can see her face to this yep. day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of crazy how deeply that impacts you and. And I mean, I, I'm the same way. I can see little Anthony's face as clear as day. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you think it's not bothering you, but it becomes an issue. Yeah. And it's got to be dealt with. Right. We were impressed. We had a female firefighter on that was one of the early females out of Florida in the right. early 80s. And she just happened to mention that one of the things she did, I, she didn't really even say why she did it. Well, but. it was in her book. Um, that's how I found See, out. See, I don't read she, books. She wrote a book, too. And, <laughs> and Tracy and I read the book. And yeah. Um, but, yeah, one of the things she said that, that after her calls, she'd go back to the fire station and she'd go into her, you know, bunk area. And she would write about the call. Huh. And huh. she said, I just, I don't... She didn't really explain why she even yeah, thought to it, do that. It was just something she did. She would just, yeah. you know, write, you yeah. know, journal, I guess, about it, or, you know, just kind of give the details and that, that but, gave her some kind of release, I would imagine. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's one of the things that we recommend when we talk to police and fire and families. 
about the psychological garbage can, that one way to empty it is to find those things in the garbage can and write that personal letter. Yeah. First time I told this one over here to do that, to write <laughs> little Anthony a letter, he's looking at me going, she understand like, what dead means? Yeah, I'm like, how do you send a letter to a dead kid? <laughs> right. And I'm like, that ain't the point of, that's not the point of the letter writing, Tom. Um, and But it's sad when, you know, I have Maricopa County deputies that come and they're about to retire and they go, hey, I don't want to take the garbage with me to retirement. And I'm going, now you got to write 20 years worth of stuff to yeah. one person and yeah. you've got 15 you need to write or families or whatever. Um, but, you know, that's really something that probably should be introduced even at the academy level. Right. That here's a way to process this stuff immediately after it happens rather mm -hmm. than figuring out 20 years later this is an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're sitting here and it's how many years? How old are yeah. your twins now? 30. There you go. So it's a lot of years yeah. of that connection. Yeah. And y'all don't think this stuff's supposed to bother you. And yeah. the reality is, as you're human beings, it does bother you. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't know it bothered me until it did. Right. You yeah. know, and then I was like devastated by it, you know. Yeah. And we've got to identify those things. And to me, that's an easy way to do it. I was telling one of the Border Patrol classes, I think, that we taught when I was in New York, the first two weeks that or three weeks that I went up, one of the things I told our the team members, I said, everybody go back to your hotel room and write about your day. And I actually found my notes from the first trip. And I'm literally looking at these notes and I don't remember any of this. I'm like, did I get somebody else's notes? <laughs> but no, that's my handwriting. But it's like I got it out before I even let it take root. Yeah. And it was really a strange feeling to be reading this stuff and going, I I don't have a clue what that, this is all about. That's what funny that you couldn't remember. Nope. Didn't come back at all. It, yeah. And this was before dementia set in. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it's not that. I can't claim that. But it's well, like. I, I mean, it's like Grossman said, which I think is brilliant. He's like, if you have a traumatic event that you experience, if you can separate the emotion from the memory, then that memory will no longer have a hold over you. Yes. And. I mean, it's so true. And maybe that's what the writing was doing, right. was getting rid of it and yeah. not allowing you it. You were disconnecting it before it actually had a chance to. Yeah. And it'd be a great over. thing for firefighters and, and police officers and paramedics and everybody in the first responder world right. to learn to do. It sounds stupid and it sounds silly, but, you know, we don't need people to get 20 and 30 years down the road and start yeah. digging up garbage that old. It's definitely something our dispatchers need to do. Yes. Well, whenever I... I think about this story that I that I just told you guys. Uh I relive it every time. Mm -hmm. I relive right. walking in that room. Yes. The smell. Yeah. Yep. The the view. Everything about it I relive. Sure. Yeah. And, and you yeah. you can't help it. No. Yeah. It's no. Well and you have to recognize also that smell is your strongest psychological trigger. Yeah. That will trigger good memories. You know, you're somebody's baking cookies and it mm -hmm. smells like your grandmother's cookies in her kitchen. It'll take you back. It'll also do it on the negative side. Yeah. And that's something I think that catches people off guard mm -hmm. as well. You don't realize that. You would right. think. Like, why am I thinking of this all of a sudden? Right. Yeah. Right. And I said that was one of the, I guess, the blessings of 9-11 was that the smells from that are things I'm not going to be <laughs> exposed to. I hope never, ever again. Yeah. But the tornadoes in Alabama before <laughs> I moved out here. Those smells, all I have to do is go back home and somebody's cutting grass and trees and that those smells that are normal smells. And it can take me right back to that horrible area where those tornadoes went through and just destroyed yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> so what are your big plans out here? What do you what do you foresee you're gonna go into Tempe? You're gonna make changes, you're gonna go uh, in like a, no, a bull no. in a china shop and go, I'm out of Portland, people. Let uh, me do this. I am not gonna do that at all. I I told Chief Reese I am a clean slate. I was like, yeah, I have a ton of experience, but I'm coming in looking to learn. I wanna learn the Tempe way. I wanna yeah. learn how they do things and I'll still DJ weddings on you know, every mm -hmm. now and then on weekends and events. Um, I also host charity events. So, I mean, I'll stay busy out here. Sure. Yeah. And do you anticipate doing this 20 years? Uh, no. Okay. No, I, I don't know how long. I don't really have a time frame, mm -hmm. you know, at least five years. But, I mean, I might want to promote, you know. You know how, 
You know how oh, firefighters and police officers are. Here it comes. At some point, there, there might maybe be should be something. the head fire marshal. <laughs> here it comes. Yeah, I see that coming. Absolutely. Wow. Oh, my well, goodness. I, you know, and I hope, will you have much interaction with the firefighters? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah we interact with them, and uh, it's, it's kind of nice because when the firefighters respond, they see something out of place, and they call an inspector. Mm-hmm. So we go in and talk to them. And, mm-hmm. See what kind of infractions they found, and yeah. Will you do much kind of networking, just going and hanging out at fire stations and yeah. getting to know them beforehand? Will there be that kind of time? Oh yeah, yeah. It's especially since I'm new. You know, I, mm-hmm. I kind of like to meet everybody in the department. You know, sure. I met right. some people in HR the other day, and I'm like, okay, you're awesome. You rock. Thank you. Nice. Uh, yeah, I just like to meet as many people as I can, and I just want to be an asset. So sure. Now, will you do? Like arson investigations, or is that a separate That's position? A, I, a, my understanding is it's the same. Oh, okay. So, okay. so we'll be doing investigations for arson and, yeah. So you'll work with PD also then? Yeah, oh, right. yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, in, in Portland, they have to go through an academy. So uh, I don't know what Tempe's plan is or how they train, but I'm looking forward to finding out. You know, <laughs> That might have been a good question to ask too before yeah. you before yeah. you signed yeah, on the dotted absolutely. line. What y'all, what y'all gonna make me do? I gotta repel out of helicopters or, or Hey, I do it. I don't I'm like, hey, whatever. <laughs> well, that's gonna be interesting to follow that part of the career. Yeah. He calls and goes, Tom, I didn't know what Man, I was getting I, into. Right, right. Can you come show me which end of this gun and how do you load it and what do you do with it? I thought I'd be hanging out at ASU games. That's right. Yeah, you know, exactly. I know. what? <laughs> Will you have to update your certifications? I will. Yeah. All of that stuff here. Yeah, and that's and that's. I mean, I've done it for twenty years. Mm-hmm. I can go in and take the. I could take the test right now and pass it. I'm sure. And this will be on the medical side also, or is this? I, I don't know about the medical side, but the inspector side. So fire inspector one, fire inspector two, plans okay. review, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, you have to get the code book out, and they. It's like a two and a half hour test. Yeah, it's crazy. But, but in Portland, you were a paramedic, EMT? I was an EMT. Okay. Yeah. And will, is that something you will you would even have to renew here, or you don't know? I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, if, if I have to, I'll do it. It's, mm-hmm. not, it's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't think you would for that position. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think I would yeah. either, but... Who knows? Yeah, who knows? If, if they require it, I'll do it. Yeah. Maybe we need to tell him it's required, and we can use him at the softball <laughs> tournament somehow. <laughs> <laughs> we might need his help. <laughs> That's right. Maybe. So I, I have to ask you this because I Uh-oh. heard this story Uh-oh. a long time ago. Uh-oh. When your daughters were young, one of them came to you and oh, said. Oh, you're not going to talk oh, about yes. that on here. Yes, I am. <laughs> Joel, you're going to love this. Dad, am I black or am I white? <laughs> so that. That is a true story. It, it made me laugh this I, morning when he shared that. I did not make that up. One of my daughters did come to me, and she says, am I black or am I white? And I said, well, if you're applying for credit, put white. If you're applying for a scholarship, put black. Uh, but that's great. That is a true story. My daughter still brings it up to me to this day. Did she understand at that age exactly what you were trying probably, to tell? Probably not. Probably She's just like, not. Okay, thanks, yeah, Dad. That sounds great. Yeah. She's like this moron. He did not. That was, that was, uh, that was that's so priceless. Funny. And nowadays she can identify any way she wants to identify. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Today she can be one thing, tomorrow she can be a, a donkey or a goat or whatever she right. wants to be. We can all identify as whatever we want to identify as. Oh, that's that, so that, that is funny. That was good advice though, Dad. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that I'm was good for something. That was quick yeah. thinking on your part. Because I'm not sure I would have come up with that that fast. Yeah, I shared that story with a friend of mine because he's African American. He's married to a white lady and yeah. they have two sons now and that I was like, Yep, one day they're gonna ask you this. I hope he got a kick out of it. Oh yeah, he laughed. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh yeah, that was funny. So what advice would you give to somebody starting out that wants to go into the fire career field now? Oh my what goodness. would you tell them? Don't do it now. <laughs> I uh went I I joined the fire department mostly because my friends were joining police and fire. Mm-hmm. I really didn't know what it entailed. I didn't mm-hmm. realize there was so much uh room for growth and opportunity and you can 
be a firefighter. You could be an inspector, investigate. There's so many avenues that you, you can pursue. I think I would tell them, make sure this is what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Make, make sure you're prepared to see some things that mm-hmm. you will, the, the average person does not see. Sure. You're, you're, you're put in a position where your eyes are going to stop you in your tracks a few times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like if you, I, I, I will never forget this, this one call, this, this lady hung herself. Mm-hmm. And we come walking in and obviously her neck is distended. But that's something you can never unsee. Right. Right. And 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 you have to explain to these to these rookies, hey, you are gonna see some some stuff. Sure. Right. You know, you you you, have you to should be never have to see, but you're gonna see. Yeah, yeah. So make sure that this is the career you wanna do and and then get in there and then decide maybe you wanna promote, maybe you don't, maybe you, you wanna stay as a firefighter because that's a great job. Mm-hmm. You maybe you want to be an engineer. You want to just drive the fire engine. That's a great job. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I think that's what I would tell them. And 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 for me, I knew I was only going to put twenty years in. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of people are like, well, I'm just going to go until my kids are out of college or you know, you know whatever. So there's firefighters working 30, 33 years. Right. We we actually had a firefighter. He worked thirty three years. He retired. He went to Thailand, like two months later, and he died in Thailand. <laughs> and he was. 60 some odd years old young he could have retired in at 20 right sure. right sure and enjoyed yeah. all that time and enjoyed sure. all that time with the pension uh, sure. but you right. know that, that that's not what he wanted to do and so i had a 20-year plan I, at 20 years i'm going to decide do i want to retire do i want to do something else right pursue something different right and sure. that's what i did sure and, it, and it's worked out for me so far well, and, you know, I don't know what fire does to expose people to things other than fire. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I know in some of the police departments where I've been, they take the new rookies and they'll make them go to the coroner and watch an, an autopsy. autopsy. And, you know, that, that's that got to suck. That I, You know. Now, they didn't even do that when I was brand new. They really? didn't require us to do that. Because of my position as a reconstructionist, I've been to hundreds of autopsies yeah i always thought it was very interesting yeah except for the very first time when they actually take out pruning shears to cut through the ribs i was like i'd pass really yeah (laughs) i would pass out i might be better at the visual it's the smells that are always an issue for me and when i first started and we'd go to autopsies you'd gown up and you'd stand right next to the doctor and you're right there so the smells Boy, they could be terrible. I remember one time standing in there, and all of a sudden I started sweating, and I was getting really hot and mm-hmm. nauseous. And I'm like, I looked at the doctor, and I'm like, what the hell's going on? What does that smell? Yeah. And he yeah. looks back and goes, oh, look behind you. And I did, and the big old guy was bloated. Oh, yeah. And they had just opened him up. Oh, and, one of the oh, special yeah. ones. Oh, oh, man, it was at least yeah. – at least, all the bodies that I dealt with were fresh kill. Yeah, you know they yeah, were yeah. <laughs> they were from the car accident, so it wasn't bad. But no. they, they actually yeah. took our class to to watch an autopsy. Oh, and, they did. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And uh, the the thing that got me the most, like you know, the the cutting over stuff, I couldn't really care less about. You know, I mean, it's an it's an odd sight for sure. Right. Sure. But it was the how cavalier the doctor <laughs> exactly. was. Exactly. That's the the thing. You're just like, and he's cracking jokes and stuff, and mm-hmm. and I'm sure he's doing it to make. Us feel a little more comfortable right. and mm-hmm. to probably make himself feel a little more comfortable. Yeah. But he's just cutting in there and he's explaining things to us and he's laughing. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it is a, it's a different experience, that's yeah. for sure. And I guess you have to be that way or this job would, would that job especially is the one yeah. doing the autopsy. I, I don't think I, I, well, I wouldn't last at it for 30 minutes. But, you know, you there's got to be a way of exposing people to tough stuff that they're going to see. Right. You can't expose them to everything, obviously, but yeah. there needs to be something early on that lets them go, yeah, I'm probably not going to do real well with that. Right. Yeah. And I remember sure. doing a ride along in Montgomery many years ago, and uh, the person I was riding with I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention to what the call was, but it turned out it was a driver that had gone under a truck and was decapitated. Oh, yeah. And so he thought, well, this is going to be fun to take <laughs> Susan on this. <laughs> yeah, and I, I remember we walked up on it, and the only reason that I got through it was because a lot of young officers standing around looking at this headless body. Yeah. And uh, I'm kind of looking at them, and they're like, you know, who's going to be the first one to throw up? And the sergeant 
I think was a good sergeant, walks up and looks at the body and goes, you know, son, it really wasn't worth losing your head over. Oh, and it was wow. the only thing that allowed all of us to back up from yeah. this. And I thought, okay, that box is checked. Yeah. I don't ever have to see this again. <laughs> right. Good luck to the rest of you. Right. But I'm out. And it, it is. It's a bizarre thing. And it's right. not like TV. No. And, it, you know, it's just the brain almost can't even wrap itself around what you're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Right, because it's such an odd sight. Yeah. You know, you just don't ever see that. And yeah. then to have to think about, right. we got to find the head and pick it up and put it with yeah. it. And, you know, your story of body parts being left behind. And, and the public's <laughs> looking at you yes. and you're trying to maintain your composure. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, again, the sick humor is a healthy tool you have to use. And Fire's yeah. Lucky, they don't have body cams yet. We're oh hearing God. rumors oh, yeah. that that's coming. Uh, and I don't think that's necessarily a good idea, and I'm not mm. sure how they're going to get around HIPAA and those kind of things. Yeah. But um, yeah. it it's not it's not a mental wellness side of the house. It's not a healthy thing right. to have body cancer. It's not a benefit uh, for your mental wellness. It's really sure. not. No. It's really not. Did you see much change though from the beginning to the end in the mental wellness side, and and what was provided and how receptive? The firefighters really were to it other than debriefings afterwards? Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd say 10 years into my career, we started having a lot of classes down at training mm -hmm. um, to, to help us out. Um, whereas, whereas we had, we didn't have that before. We only had someone come talk to you. Well, okay, we feel good. Okay, okay, that's it. And sure. They, they document it and right. then it's, it's over. But, I mean, now they started training the lieutenants and the captains mm -hmm. to notice things that are going on in their crew, which I thought was a valuable resource. Mm -hmm. Yep. And and then they can talk to them and be like, okay, hey, this is what I notice. And yeah, Tom and I teach a class, and it's teach, it's training supervisors. We feel like they're the second line of defense. Spouses are the first line, yeah. so we teach a class that includes spouses also. And we've had fire spouses come. Oh, nice. And uh, it's teaching supervisors what to look for early. Yeah. Rather than right. letting it get too chronic where you got to discipline or terminate people. Yeah. And, you know, you just kind of go, this is a common sense thing. We were over with Maricopa County Sheriff's Office yesterday. And these things just are not being done. Right. And now we're seeing doors opening and going, you know what? That's probably a good idea. Yeah. And you got to train spouses on the same stuff. But did you ever have... Any of your mental wellness people, whether it was the employee assistance program counselors or whoever, ever just come by and hang out at the firehouse? Oh, yeah. To get to know you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's just not happening yeah. most oh, places. Yeah. That's very unusual. Oh, they would come by and just hang out. They, they, they'd see what kind of, you know, we had to work out for an hour a day. So they would see what activity we're doing. Oh, we're going to go play soccer down at the University of Portland. Okay. And they would come play soccer with us. It was awesome. Were they mm. doing ride-alongs? Would they actually get on the fire truck with you? Well, well our peer supporters... Or firefighters. No, I'm talking about mental oh. wellness in the oh. realm of licensed counselors. Oh, those oh, people. no, no, they didn't come by the station. Okay, no, no, okay, no, not not that I can remember. Yeah, that's that's something we're really trying to promote. We feel like they need to be in the firehouse. Yeah, and and kind of get to know the personalities. Y'all get to know them also. Yeah, I've much done, more comfortable to talk to somebody that you yeah. have some rapport with, sure. and you you know who they are. Yeah, I did a ride along with Chandler Fire. That was that was a lot of fun. Nice. I wanted to drive, and they wouldn't let me understand <laughs> that part of it. But, um, but you know, this is these are all education things, and having people come in from other parts of the country and stuff, I think it's good for because I know there are differences right. in different yeah. areas of the country, and yet then there's a lot of similarities mm -hmm. too. And right. uh, so we're excited about having you back in Arizona. Like I said, we'll work on your trauma from being in high school with Tom. That yeah. might take us a while. Uh, but, you know, we'll let you get back from your honeymoon. I guess we won't go with you, but uh, don't be surprised. <laughs> you don't want her traveling with you. You really Let's just don't. Say that. Yeah, the adventures start when we start to travel. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I almost got Tom in jail in Mexico because uh, we had guns in the car and we didn't know we were about to go into Mexico and we almost went yeah. into Mexico. But, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a chapter in the book. But, but we hope you'll come back again and update us on how it's going now that you're transitioning from one part of the fire to another. Yeah. And no uh, doubt. like I said, we'll get you in here to get you certified too. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. But we do. We appreciate you being here. 
Thanks for having me. Taking time out to come in studio and do this since you just got married. <laughs> I didn't realize you were that newly wed. But uh, and to those of you out there listening, again, let me give you our twenty-four hour number. But please understand when you call this number, if you hit extension one, we will not have your number. If we get disconnected, you got to call us back. This is for all of our first responders. This is for military. This is for families. It's eight five five. 889-2348. If you hit my extension, Tom's extension, David Cohen's extension, who is our retired fire marshal in Alabama, uh, you may get our voicemail and we will call you back, but make sure you leave your number. Uh, <laughs> right. But, you know, our whole goal, we don't keep notes. We don't keep records. You can call and be Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck. You can call and give us your chief's name. We, it doesn't matter. Uh, you don't even have to give us a name. But we just want you to know that there's no time that we ever turn around and report anybody to departments um, and be aware of all of your resources. Right. You know, one of the things we are hearing about some of the suicide hotlines is they will send officers to do a welfare check. Just recognize they do have access to where you are and who you are um, and reach out to somebody. We don't care if you call us, you call chaplains, you call a, a crisis line, whatever it is. Make sure though, when you're struggling, reach out to somebody. And we're there for you 24-7, and again, that includes families. We appreciate all the sacrifices that our first responders uh, make to do their job, and it's about caring about people. That's why y'all go into these industries. I don't think people realize that either. But families make the greatest sacrifices. Holidays are given up. Little League softball games, everything else are given up. And um, here at Under the Shield, this is why we're here and why we do what we do. My cell number is 334-324-3570. Uh, if you want to reach me that way during the daytime, text. Uh, at night, always call. You want to give your number, Tom? My phone number is 480-861-6574. And you can call me anytime. And, you know, again, we've got a softball tournament coming up in January. We hope you'll put a team together and... Uh, Get signed up and registered on our website. But again, Ron, thank you for being here. And God bless you. God bless your families and this great nation that we live in. We love you here at Under the Shield. Reach out. Let us know how we can help. Stay safe out there. Take care. And we'll see you next time.